Everybody talks about the future of work, but you know what? Most of those people have no idea what they're talking about. These are guesses. They're just, just making stuff up. Today on CXO Talk, we're speaking with somebody who literally is defining the future of work. I'm Michael Krigsman. I'm an industry analyst and the host of CXO Talk. I want to say thank you to IPsoft. We are in their Innovation Experience Lab in the heart of New York City. It's a beautiful location and literally IPsoft helps keep CXO Talk going. Now, before we continue, I want you to invite your friends and I want you to tell your family. Invite them all to watch and very importantly, subscribe on YouTube. We're here with Stuart Sackman, who is the CIO, the Chief Information Officer and Chief Technology Officer at ADP. Hey, Stuart, how are you? And thanks for being here. Uh, so happy to be here, Michael. And uh, shout out to IPsoft, because it is a beautiful facility. And uh, can't wait to talk about the future of work. So we hear everybody talking about the future of work. What does it actually mean? So. The future of work isn't just one thing. Um, it's lots of things. It's the culmination of a lot of trends that are coming together that are changing how people work and how people work in the future. And um, I think people are generally familiar with the big trends, but technology is having a huge impact on the nature of work as more and more tasks are being automated and we're entering a world where there'll be more machine and human collaboration. So maybe we can talk more about that, Michael. That's one big trend. There's also structural trends in our society. So uh, the rise of the gig worker is a big change that's going on. So uh, the growth of 1099s in the US are growing quickly. W-2s are growing a little bit as the economy has grown, but not nearly as fast. So many people are in the freelance economy. That's a big trend we can talk about. Um, and the other thing that's changing is actually the way people in companies work together to get their jobs done. So this idea of more agile organizations and dynamic teams that are cross-functional, that form and reform around projects, or uh, those are three areas that uh, maybe we can talk more about uh, that are affecting, again, how work will get done in the future. So when we talk about the future of work, that refers to to what? Refers to demographics, to what are, what are, the, what are the components? And so I think it's, as I said, it's many of those things. The demographics are changing. Millennials are taking over the workforce. Uh, I think by 2020 already, I think they've already more than half of the workforce is millennials, and that will continue to grow. And millennials come to the workforce with different values and expectations about how they're going to be treated in the workforce. Um, you know, they have, uh, I'm a little older, I'm a baby boomer. As I was coming up to work, you know, we used to talk about work-life balance. Well, millennials want work-life integration. So they want to take their lives and their works and blend them together. And, you know, when I was coming up, companies tended to be more hierarchical. And uh, millennials don't do, deal well in hier hierarchy. So, you know, we need more flatness versus uh, hierarchy. So there's that trend is really, again, affecting um, the workforce and how work gets done. So Stuart, you have the demographic forces of the changing composition of the workforce. You have shifts in technology, 
But it sounds like you have expectations of employees, and that's playing a more important role today. I absolutely, Michael. I think it's really important, and uh, for every employer that wants to develop um, a productive and engaged and effective workforce and retain their employees, um, you have to address the mindset of millennial and young workers. So purpose is probably more important today than it has been ever because people want to work in an organization that has a well-defined purpose that they can get behind. And social responsibility is more important today than it was in the past and I think will be even more important in the future because again, people want to work in an organization that's socially responsible, that supports their community. And the actual physical work environment matters. You know, putting people in six by, you know, six, by six cubes, you know, tied down to their desks, uh, sitting in front of monitors, just isn't going to make it in the future. Um, so there are lots of um, changes that are going to be required um, around how we recruit and retain employees. And in addition to that, the type of work itself is changing. Because again, technology is replacing a lot of manual, low-skilled work. So workers themselves come to, the, come to the workplace with different skills, and they'll need to continue to develop those skills. Stuart, what are the implications of all of this for employers, for organizations? Yeah, so organizations have to be willing to adapt to these trends, again, if they're going to be able to recruit and retain the, the, you know, the best workforces to get their work done. Um, and you know, we're, I work for ADP, and we provide a lot of technology and systems to help companies manage their human capital. And um, we're making changes in our technology to help employers engage their, their people more effectively. Um, so one of our core concepts is, is that employees are most successful when they leverage their strengths, which makes sense, sort of common sense. But do employers today have an easy way to measure the strength of their employees? They don't really. So we're providing tools that help measure their strengths. And then leadership still counts. So despite the changes in automation and the changing demographics of the workforce, leadership still counts. But not leadership at the CEO level, that's important at the executive level, leadership at the team level. Because the work in companies takes place, the day-to-day the, the -day work that affects the business's result takes place in the frontline team. So the team leader and the employees that do the work and that team leader is critically important. And we're developing technology to help team leaders be more effective so they can better manage and coach their team and make sure their, their teams are engaged and using their strengths. And if employers can get that right, they have a better chance of being successful in developing a better workforce. And this coincides with what you were describing earlier about the flattening of organizations, because historically, of course, organizations were command and control. And the role of teams was to simply execute what the top management in the company wanted. But now you're saying that we need to pay more attention to what's happening at the team level. You need to pay more attention, exactly, Michael. You need to pay more attention to the team level. You need to empower your teams if they're going to drive innovation. Because again, as we know, with technology disrupting virtually every industry, innovation is more important. And innovation can't be managed top down. So you have to get down into the teams. And again, for employers, the challenge is, is that today's systems that they use, even if they're using modern cloud-based systems, 
really are designed around the traditional hierarchy. So, you know, I might get an engagement score from my R&D team, and that could be high, but my project team one that includes R&D and finance and HR and user experience and operations might be, which could be a critical project, they could be very low. So uh, knowing overall what my engagement my R&D team is, the turnover of my R&D team, aren't the metrics that are going to help me manage my organization. I need to be at the team. I need to know what's going on, where the work is happening, and employers need systems to help them do that because today's generation of systems don't do a good job there. And that's a handicap for employers in trying to manage their workforces. Can you give us some examples of the kind of data that you're collecting? Yeah, so um, we collect data against the full range of um, sort of key HCM metrics. So some are, some are traditional, uh, so knowing things you know, like your turnover and your, you know, your average time to hire. Um, again, with the difference now that you really want to know that at the team level, not at the corporate level. So that's a different spin on the way metrics are uh, collected. Um, but we're also collecting data around uh, performance, and we're measuring performance in a very different way. So we've reversed the way we think about performance. So instead of asking me to assess whether you're strategic, I, which creates this what we call the idiosyncratic rater bias, we've reversed the question and we say, when I have a problem, I always go to Michael. And then I'm talking about my own feelings about Michael, and that's a more accurate way to assess. And then if I always go to Michael and I never go to person B, then that helps us understand the relative performance. Uh, so that's, that's one area. But we also look at, um, we also collect data around, we also have data in our systems around salary trends, which are very meaningful, annual increases. We're collecting data around traditional career paths so we can help employers and individual employees see from their position where people go. And we're connecting that with the skills they need. So we're going to help employees manage their careers better by giving them the options and letting them profile other people that have started from where they are and where they've gone and what skills they've uh, attained. And we're able to do that because of our you know, 700,000 um, client base of employers. So we have lots of data about lots of people, and we're trying to use that to help our employers better manage their workforce. In a moment, I definitely want to talk about how you're aggregating that data and then operating on that data. But just to drill down further, can you, can you give us some concrete examples of the, the, the kind of data that you collect off of, of, a, of a team? And, and how do you collect that data? Yeah, so we've deployed, so we've deployed a set of tools um, that allow team leaders to garner feedback from their team. So one of the new applications that we've released um, is a weekly check-in. So what we do is the team leader does a weekly check-in every week with their, with their team, and their team just answers, it's a five-minute check-in, and their team answers a few questions like, did you use your strengths this week? Did you add value this week? What are your short-term priorities? Um, how can I, how can you, my leader, my team leader, help me? And we collect that on a weekly basis. And then we can help the team leader literally see the trend lines. Because if your team isn't using their strengths or their team doesn't think they're adding value, then you have to take some action. Um, and we also look at other metrics at the team level like engagement. And again, if you see engagement is low, you have to take some action. If you have high turnover in a specific team, we have, we have dashboards that help do that, that likely means something is going on. 
if it's higher than the rest of your organization. And that might apply a problem with the work they're doing, it might imply a problem with the leader of that team, or the interrelationships, the dynamics. So we are, we're still trying to unwind that because the, uh, the real secret sauce and the real magic of data is when we can go from, you know, right now what we're doing as many of our competitors are is around predictive data and go from predictive to prescriptive. So when we get the data, now we can tell you, looks like there's a problem here. Uh, and we can predict the outcome. If you don't change that, turnover will continue at this rate. And what we love to get to is prescriptive. Here's a problem, and here's what you need to do to solve it. And I think given technology today and the, uh, the rate at which we're able to, to collect and analyze data and these, uh, the, the, the machine learning algorithms and AI capabilities, I think that's something that will be coming to the future of work to help managers be, uh, and, and uh, companies be more effective. Okay, so we'll, we'll get there in one moment, <laughs> but I'm still, stuck on the, I'm still stuck on the data itself because it's so foundational to doing the things that you were just describing. So, so you were part, of, I'm not meaning to put words in your mouth, but so part of your core expertise then is developing the, the standard um, questions of the type or stand, standard categories of types of data and embedding that in your tool so that your, your customers are then gathering data in a systematic way that's best for themselves and allows you to then aggregate that data later. Is that yes. more or less right? Um, we're absolutely trying to do two things at the same time. We're trying to collect data in companies that enable companies to manage their teams better. And we have a lot of data that we provide for them. Some of it's hard data. Well, it's all real data. It's, uh, you know, about some of its turnover and some of its feedback data through engagement pulse and other types of pulse surveys from their employees productivity and we're melding all that together to help organizations and then we're also providing them benchmark data and uh, we have a process with our client base where we've uh, gotten their permission to use their data in an aggregated anonymized way and then we we provide that back to them in the form of benchmarks because that's another big challenge for companies because they know how they're doing and they can compare their teams but they also need to know how they do versus their industry versus their geography, versus their company size. And there's no real sources in the market for real data about that. And we have a lot of real data, so we're able to provide really insightful benchmarks on average salary and salary. We have 2,000 job codes, so we can give you salary at a very granular level on positions and turnover and promotion rates and spans of control and average increases. And it's a lot of critical information for companies to, uh, you know, to benchmark their organization against uh, their industry peers and other local competitors. You know, for predictive analytics, um, we introduced um, probably uh, about a year ago, maybe we introduced a uh, flight risk indicator. So now we can tell companies who inside their company is at risk of turnover. And um, we have a proprietary algorithm for that and we've tested it because we're able to go back in time because we have so much history of data and apply the analytic and then watch the people through the past so we know it works. Um, but once we tell you someone's at flight risk, we also show you the factors. So we uncover for you what the items are that might be impacting, that are, that are impacting their probability of uh, leaving. And that gives you better insight into how to potentially address those. 
Um, and again, in the future, we, what we hope to be able to tell you is, you know, Michael's a flight risk. And if you want to retain Michael, you need to do this. Let him work from home on Friday because his commute is such that in the summer he gets stuck in beach traffic and he's getting frustrated. But you don't have to give him a raise. But Stuart, you know, needs to get his underpaid given his performance rating and his tenure and his skills. He's in high demand, and uh, you know, you need to raise his salary. And then there's those are just a couple of examples. There's many more. Uh, so there's a flight. So we have a flight risk indicator. We have overtime predictors. Um, we have productivity predictors around what drives performance and productivity. And those are some predictive measures that, um, that we've been developing. And again, I think that's valuable. But as you said, it will be so much more valuable when we can send you a notice saying, um, you know, you have an overtime, your risk of high overtime in your retail store in downtown Manhattan, get on the phone and get three extra people into work right now because that's better for your quality of delivery in the store and will actually cost you less than the related overtime. That's prescriptive, and that's the nirvana of the use of data, in my opinion. You mentioned the gig economy earlier. And so what's going on with that? Yeah, the gig economy is growing. It's, um, and it's growing quickly. And, you know, there's the... There's the big gig companies that we're all familiar with, like Uber and Lyft, but there's, um, there's a broad group of people that act as freelancers, and many of them have full-time jobs also. So we have this, this, this change, socioeconomic change, where people work full-time and also uh, have gig jobs on the side, and, um, and companies are taking more advantage of freelance workers. There's higher demand in companies because of the need for specific skills around specific projects. So teams in companies, whereas yesterday teams in companies were largely employees, and they were organized very hierarchically. Now they're dynamic teams, which we talked about, but they're dynamic teams that include full-time employees and freelance workers at an ever-increasing rate. And a challenge, again, for employers as they deal with their workforces is freelance workers today, believe it or not, in most companies are managed by procurement. You buy a freelance worker the same way you might buy a computer or a roll, a roll of toilet paper. Uh, that's probably very, very disparaging for employees, but freelance workers are, are, um, you know, are hired through procurement and employees are hired through HR, and the systems that support them are independent. And our systems that we build for dynamic teams apply equally to freelance workers and employees because to get know what's going on in the team, it doesn't help if your team is half full-time and half freelance. If you just look at the half that are full-time, you need to know everything about what's going on if you're going to manage your teams. So that's also a big change in how companies need to modify their systems to make sure that they're leveraging the freelance worker. And then there's also a lot of statutory compliance issues around freelancers because of the government regulations about what defines a freelance worker versus a full-time worker. Is it just a matter of technology for companies to do a better job in terms of how they hire and manage freelancers? Or, or are there also cultural mindset uh, changes that have to be made as well? Yeah. Um, I think there's, there's both. Um, you absolutely need the systems because your HR systems, the only, the reason why we have HR systems is to help HR, help our workforces be better, be more productive, be more engaged. And again, if you have 
in some cases 50% or 30 or 20% freelancers, and you exclude them, how could you manage your workforce? So you need the systems. Um, but the cultural aspects, that's a little bit different because when we talked earlier about the trends with millennials taking part in the workforce and this idea of less hierarchical workforces, they don't view like, oh, you're a, you're a freelancer and I'm full-time, therefore somehow you're different from me because they don't see the world in those terms, just like they don't see diversity in the same way maybe we have in the past. So they, they're more colorblind and genderblind, and I think this freelancer thing. So that cultural shift is happening already at the worker, at the team level. And you know, maybe a little bit of a stretch for some executives to recognize that when they talk about their workforce and think about their workforce, they need to think equally about how they engage their freelance workers that do meaningful, important work for them, well as their full-time associates. When we talk about the future of work, is there a way of defining metrics for we're, we're doing well, quote unquote, with the future of work? The importance for companies understanding the future of work is so that they can compete and be successful and win in their respective markets. And the measure of a company's success in addressing the future of work will be their business results. Because in the end, it's the business outcomes. But with the technology trends and the fact that the high degree of automation, the, you know, the, the workers, the, the, the employees have so much bigger impact on the outcomes so that you can't get the business successes without the engaged workforce. And the, so the reason why the future of work is important is assembling, again, engaged, diverse uh, workforce that's helped by technology to eliminate the, the routine aspects so they have more time to focus on um, you know, the critical business issues and assembling dynamic teams that include full-time workers and freelancers in a cohesive, tight-knit organization. Those are, the, those are what I believe will be sort of the leading indicators of business success, which is why we focus so much on those aspects of the future of work. Because if you fail at that, it's hard to imagine that you can be successful in business, and then I guess you'll be out of work and it won't matter. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that's a great way to end. Stuart Sackman, CIO and CTO of ADP, thank you so much. Thank you, Michael. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. And thanks again for IPSoft having us in this wonderful, wonderful facility. You have been watching a, a, that was a fast conversation and a rich conversation about the future of work. We've been speaking with Stuart Sackman, who is the Chief Information Officer and the Chief Technology Officer of ADP. And again, a heartfelt thank you to IPSoft for setting up this beautiful studio in their Innovation Center in New York City. Tell your friends, tell your family, Tell your mother, I'm gonna, I know my mother asks me about this. Tell everybody you know, and be sure to subscribe on YouTube. Thanks so much, everybody, and have a great day.